Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I am your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and I'm so happy to have you join me once again. And everybody across the globe, we have 100 countries listening to this show right now. So it's pretty awesome. And I love hearing from you guys. So please keep emailing me. Please keep reviewing, rating, subscribing. We have a five-star rating. I want to keep it that way. So please share this with everybody that you think could ever learn anything from it because my goal every single week with my guests is to educate you, empower, empower you, entertain, and inspire you so you can live a fearlessly authentic life. So please remember to rate, review, subscribe. You can also see us on YouTube, which is really cool. So you can listen to the show or go over to YouTube and check out what my guest looks like because I, I have very beautiful guests on my show. They're, they're beautiful inside and beautiful outside. So please check us out on YouTube at Jody Harrison Bauer. And, um, and leave me a message. Like I said, I always love to hear from all of you. So let's go on. I have an amazing guest with me today. David Tyree, thank you so much for joining me today. Jody, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for inviting me. It is my, I am just so honored that you have the time for me. And I want to, for those of you who do not know who David Tyree is, I am going to tell you about this great man. I have to put my glasses on so I don't miss a word here. By nature, David Tyree is a champion. He is an optimist and a person of great integrity. His character heralds the life of a person who refuses to settle for second best and helps others overcome to get great done. I love that. His ability to identify with the many challenges life presents fuels the compassion he has for people in every walk of life and drives the influence that he has on those around him. The story of David Tyree is that of truth, transparency, and transformation. His servant leadership and high level of performance did not stop on the field. David successfully spent eight years in player development in the front office for the New York Giants as director of player engagement, recognizing the cost of poor decisions and the urgency to change. He used the position to guide players in the direction of leadership development, total wellness, and career transition. More recently, David and his wife, Leah, Leah, See, tell me, see, I knew I was going to mess it up. Lee Ila. Lee Ila. Lee Ila. See, I even practice it. Lee Ila. (laughs) Sorry. I love her. She's gorgeous. Became entrepreneurs by opening the first clean juice franchise in the state of New Jersey. In light of David's success as an athlete and professional, he has found that his greatest privilege is being a husband to his excellent wife and father to his seven children. David, a New Jersey native and proud Syracuse University alum, began his NFL career in 2003 with the New York Giants. In 2006, David was unanimously chosen as a Pro Bowl player. In 2008, David was crowned in Super Bowl 42, right? That's correct. 
42, I had to look up the numbers, 42 champion and etched his name in NFL history by making what would what many would call the greatest catch in Super Bowl history, the helmet catch. I remember watching that game. I remember when we met and I said to you, I think I remember that. And then I went back and I looked at the year and I'm like, yes, of course, I was watching that game. That was amazing because at the time I was dating a Patriots person, a person who liked the Patriots. I know, I know, I know. I can't believe it. I, my father would have been, you know, was not very happy about that. Um, (laughs) But that was that. Tell me about that experience. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, what made it so special was the journey there, the arrival there. And, um, you know, I guess my faith was central to what made it monumental. So um, I I guess the way the best I can do to summarize it is I'm a special teams player and a special teams player is not a glorious position. Of course, when you're playing a National Football League, you're happy to be doing what you love, passionate about. And but of course, having a natural position as a wide receiver, you have goals you want to contribute, you want to move forward. And I've had those struggles um, up to my, up to that point of really cracking high level production. And I think that was it. It was really just my goal and my in, inward desire to contribute more at a higher level. And everything came to a head that season for the team. And then my, for myself, I was a little bit of a metaphor of that, what we all know and love about being an overcomer, right? And, you know, that season, it was probably the most statistically meek season I ever had, even as a receiver and as a special teams player, which I was really good at. And, you know, it was also a season where promise was before me. I lost my mother in December. So getting to that moment in the helmet catch was the climax, the ultimate moment of validation, affirmation, and knowing that God had something bigger for me than I ever could have imagined. I I can't even imagine being in that position because I know as a fan, you know, how exhilarating it was to watch. So, but to be that human being doing that and, you know, is it, do you feel like all of those years leading up to that moment, you know, we always look back and we think, we think about, well, what did that moment teach us? What did that moment teach us? And then you're there and you're like, after after you you have that moment, that high moment, you think to yourself, maybe that's what was leading up to this moment, but you don't know how it's going to manifest itself. Right. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't have imagined that moment actually coming to be. Now, you know, a neat story I do like to share every now and then. It's not a it's not commonly told. The night before the game, one of my teammates was, you know, I got to know her over his mother over the last year and a half prior to that. Super Bowl. Uh, she was a pastor in Florida. I live in New Jersey, but she was just a really spirited, powerful woman who was really encouraging along my journey. And she co-wrote my book, More Than Just a Catch, after the helmet catch. But the night before the game, she says to me, we were praying. My wife's eight months pregnant with our twin daughters. You know, it's the night, it's the night of the biggest, you know, night before the biggest game of my playing experience. And we're just praying for blessing and favor. And, and then she says, David, God's quickening your feet. He's giving you hinds feet of a deer to jump high. And then she says, God is putting spiritual glue on your hands. And the last thing she tells me, Jody, is the Lord's oh going to give you the big play. So, you know, I'm a man of faith. You know, I know that, you know, you know, just divine inspiration and whatever we like to call it. I just believe I didn't know what that was or what that looked like. And the cool thing about 
actually scoring a touchdown. I thought that that was the big play. I thought when I scored a go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter against the Patriots, that that was the big play. And surely to find out that God had dreams bigger than the dreams that I ever could imagine. And that's what makes it so personal and precious, but what it meant to so many other people as well, as far as a moment of inspiration, hope. And that's, that's where it means so much to everybody. And for me, it was like a kiss from heaven. Yes, I can, I can just imagine that. And the belief in yourself, you know, I think when probably that person told you this, you were like, I know something, something great. I already know that, you know, to play with the NFL, I mean, you're already great, mm-hmm. like in the hugest way, but to have something like that. Yeah. And that's the cool part. It's like, I thought, yeah. you know, scoring a, scoring a go-ahead touchdown was good enough for me. And to actually, you know, Patriots run back down the field and now we're on this game winning drive. Now, when I don't even know, I literally didn't know that the catch was the helmet catch until I got back to the hotel. I just knew I made the greatest play in my playing career up to that point. And so I knew it was a big play. I knew it was huge. I, you know, I scored a touchdown and I make this big catch, but I didn't see it. I didn't see a replay. So I literally don't have a clue. And all my interviews indicated that Rightfully so, all praise went to Eli for being in a position to escape it as well. But I didn't know the magnitude of what happened. And to some extent, it really took like almost a year for me to really recognize because even as a player, you're trying to move forward. You're trying to progress. You want to validate that moment. And that wasn't really written in the the cards in relation to my career. But it's something that we're trying to, you know, compound wins and, and, and speak to it and it was a historical moment that I couldn't have really dreamed of. And it's, it's like some things are really for you, right? Like some things I agree. are meant for each person to accomplish in their living experience. And that was that's what the helmet catch was for me. I very much, very, very much agree that you were there at that moment for a reason. So you said that the year after, within that year, you know, you were trying to really wrap your head about around what everything that happened. So what was your life like afterwards? It was a whirlwind. It was very much a whirlwind. You go, and I was always a person who was very content with attaining my goals. You know, I was at that time, I was the best special teams player in the NFL, one of the best. I was competing. I had just kind of come to terms with a measure of contentment and not striving, right? If if things didn't work out my way, not being ugly in my attitude. And like, you know what? I'm going to give my best. And I kind of really settled in. That's what was also so special about that year, because when I finally found contentment in that is when, you know, that, that, that year was the year. And I remember moving forward. It was really just like, you know what, you know, I knew that there wasn't going to be that much more meaning like I had a certain measure of contentment, even moving forward. Like if I never accomplished anything else in five years, I've been an all pro I've won a Super Bowl and I have one of the most iconic experiences in, in NFL history. So it was all gravy moving forward. It was all whipped cream and, and cherries moving forward. But I experienced adversity. And so I had a knee injury unexpectedly and I had to figure out how I was going to overcome that and do my best to position myself to finish my career strong. It wasn't, you know, you know, like when you're in this position and especially having faith having tremendous things open up for you. It wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what I would have, how I would have written the script. But ultimately, you know, it was like coming to terms with who I was 
as a man, as an individual, as a father and finding worth and value outside of my career as an athlete. And those two years of adversity and finishing with the Baltimore Ravens in my seventh season, it was more about closure and understanding that, uh, you know, there, there wasn't much more for me in that space. So it was, it was great. It was a journey. It was an experience. I had experienced the height of height and now it was on to finding purpose in some disappointments too and understanding that was part of the growth process. And that's got to be difficult. And I know you work with a lot of athletes, a lot of businessmen and women, and that's, you know, my husband is a doctor, for example. So that, that pretty much, you know, identifies who he is. If somebody says, what do you do? He says, I'm a doctor. If I, somebody asks me what I do, I have a lot of things going on. I'm just not one thing. But, you know, when you are, when it, it is your identi- identity, it's really hard to transition to something else. And you, like so many athletes, so you work with ath- athletes now, helping them transitioning, right? Can you explain right. to, to us what you do with athletes? Yeah, I mean, my previous role primarily as, as a director of player development was really about the onboarding experience and carrying athletes through the life cycle, how to become a pro, how to manage your relationships, how to manage your money, how to manage your, ment- your mentality. And it was just position, positioning these players to consider things they may not have considered, getting them information, resources, and education in these pivotal roles. And, and you know, having that experience, of course, as a former athlete myself, and I, 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 I did the bonehead decisions. I get arrested on marijuana possession as a 23-year-old young man. I, I knew how to do the wrong things, but through my experience and just through a height of redemption, I was able to rewrite the script. And so the experiential um, knowledge was really what positioned me well. And, and even still today, the athlete is celebrated as a hero of the human experience. It's the gladiator that 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 really speaks to every what every individual that doesn't have a celebrated role is actually experiencing. And that's really all it is. It's a it's a glorified celebrated role, but we're all experiencing transition, adversity, financial challenges, wins and losses on a on a on a on a le- maybe a less celebrated scale. And so that role is really just about positioning men to excel and do well, find their worth, identity and value to some extent, just extracting it because football provides so much meaning, value and purpose. But if you can't do it for the duration of your life, you can't say it's your purpose. And that's that's something that I want to create sober conversations with people and challenge them in relation to who they are so that they can be well, regardless of what life deals them or what decisions they choose to make moving forward. So do you think it's very hard for a young person to come in and become an NFL player, for example, and all of a sudden there's all of these expectations. Like you said, they don't know how to handle the money. They don't know how to handle maybe the fame the and then all the attention they're getting because it's a very, when you're, when you're a professional athlete, it's like nothing else, right? It, it's not, it, you can get drunk off, right? It's like, right, right. you know, I call them the, 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 the three temptations, the gold, the glory, the girls, right? And the, those three G's are tough to overcome and within one fell swoop, but it's not like you're mature at this. If you don't have experience with money, money's a whole language in of itself, how to manage it, 
what relationship you have with money and money creates more access to, to more potential vices, right? So right. it just amplifies everything that's actually, that you desire in your life. So money's one relationship, the relationships that you actually have with the people in your life. Um, and so and for a young person, we're talking about young men now, right. their brains aren't even, we're, the science is there, their, their brains aren't even mature yet. And that's when they're typically making some of the more poor decisions. How do you help them mitigate this and maximize a short window averaged at three to four years and playing experience? And most of them don't get that. That's the average when you consider the 13, you know, the 15 year guy and they're all averaged in. So it's a short experience. It's not a career, but it has so much meaning. It works so, so tremendously hard to attain it. And how do you position this to work for you? versus define you. And that's that's part of what that rule has been. But I think everyone, you know, can can take some of those microcosms and the need to develop even when you've arrived to a position of prominence. We don't stop growing, we don't stop learning, and we have to be intentional about it. So I think that's that role was a it was it was a natural natural place of fulfillment and, and a place to add value. But that's who I am as a as a servant, as a leader. And as a person, I love people. I tell people all the time, I got love on tap. I don't have any problem loving people. And that's what positioned me to get them where they got to go. Well, because you have, as I read in your bio, this compassion. And I think when you are compassionate like you, and not everybody is compassionate, you know, uh, they might have other feelings, but they may not be compassionate. And I think that's why you're so good at what you did to help these young men um, and what you're doing now and on your podcast. And we're going to get into that more. Um, but you said something a few minutes ago about why this is working for you. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I really liked what you were saying about that. In relation to the playing experience, I think I said, you know, that it, that it will work for them and not define them. You know, I think it's kind of like money, right? It can be a tremendous um, you know, tool, an instrument, an empowering instrument. But if you're a slave to it, then it can destroy your life, right? And the well-known saying is the love of money is the root of all evil. So it's not money of itself. But if we personify it where it has this place of power in our life, then it can rule us instead of us ruling it and employing it. The same thing with areas that we value and we want to put the proper value on everything in our life. That's for me. What is my relation? I assess relationships with everything, whether it's living or non-living. And that's 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 how I kind of assess. I want to have healthy relationships with the things that are in my life to the point where I can reposition them based on what the priorities are. So for athletes, for individuals, for any person in their workplace, we have to be intentional about assessing the relation. Is this a healthy relationship with Netflix? Is this a healthy relationship with my wife? Is this a healthy relationship with my job, right? And how does that affect the things that I say are valuable, but I'm actually not living it out? So I have a simple moniker that everybody is living what they believe. And that can be a powerful statement or it can be an indicting statement, depending on what you say versus how you live. And so just, just the awareness is really a power, the most powerful thing, right? The, the self-awareness and the relational awareness that allows us to facilitate growth. And then we start getting the, the returns 
on those relationships? Relationships are everything. And I talk to people about that a lot about relationships. So, so if your relationship isn't great at home, whether it's you're living with your parents or you're living with your significant other or you're living with your children, wherever you're living, whoever you're coexisting with in, at your home, if that's not a healthy, a health, let's just use the word healthy relationship, really? that's going to affect you in your workplace. That's going to affect you with your friends and other family members. And you talk about awareness a lot. And I love that because if we aren't self-aware of, of our emotions right. and how we're relating to one another, because relating is everything. And I remember this from maybe 20 years ago um, when I got divorced in 2002 and I was listening, I couldn't sleep. It was three o'clock in the morning and put on the TV and Tony Robbins was on there and he was talking about relationships and people forget that that is literally everything. And, okay. and I, and, and that, it sounds like that is what, what you, what you're doing and what you're talking about to these athletes, to the, the business people that you work with. And one of the things that you mentioned was the, um, the emotional quotient when we were talking um, earlier, and I wanted you to get into, um, into that, what that means. Yeah. I mean, your EQ, right. You know, these are things that have, been studied out that I've benefited from just in my workplace, but it's a it's a greater indicator of, of true stability and, and long-term success than IQ, right? We went through our years where, you know, we put so much value on someone's intellectual capacity. Well, now let's look at your emotional capacity. And that typically is based on four or five groups of self-awareness, relationship management, um, you know, I would say, you know, our, our, our discipline with, 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 you know, self-control, these are the motivation is, is one of those wheelhouses. So when we kind of consider who we are in these different spaces and one's ability to manage their relationships, um, some people, you know, whether we have, we can say, you know, call ourselves, whether we're introvert or extrovert, you're going to have to engage with more someone outside of your own your own self and ecosystem to get something productive done. If you can't do that and manage those, those relationships, whether it's at work or at home, then we suffer in some way. And I think there's a general statement I have. There's no one that has done anything of great significance by themselves. And so you have to consider that no matter how, what, what great ability that we have to find comfort in our, in our, in our, you know, traditional, places of, you know, you know, like I said, whether it's, I just like being by myself, if I'm going to do something significant, meaningful, it's going to require, it's going to and you work with other people. people. Yeah. So I think that's, it's, it's the most powerful place to, to really allocate a lot of attention to as we're growing, because it will affect us and allow us to be more direct, meaningful, purposeful in our, even our work. So it allows us to, it allows us to facilitate healthy relationships then we find meaning. You were created for love. You were created for these things that bring satisfaction, hope, and meaning. And it's foolish to ignore it, regardless how in tune we are with it. We'll right. be miserable, frustrated, and that won't allow us to, to reach the height of fulfillment. I, I, I was wondering, we have three minutes until the break, so we have some time here. But how do you teach somebody who isn't self-aware? How do you mm -hmm. teach them to become self-aware? 
I think it's about asking the, it's usually about asking the right questions. You know, it's, it's things like, what is, what is your goals? What are more important to you? What do people say about you? You know, and I think that's one of the more powerful questions that will help stimulate self-awareness because typically while we understand ourselves, we're not always as honest as we need to be with ourselves. And this is the power of, you know, relationships, accountable relationships, mentors, you know, I call, some, I call them covenant relationships, people that are committed to my welfare. Mm. Um, and, that, and I think that's, we have to, relationships are risky because people can get hurt, right? And mm. that's not just romantic relationships, that's friendships. And, but when you have someone who's committed, that's the key word. I bank everything off of a, off of a commitment. Now your integrity will show me what kind of, how you keep commitments. You look at someone's life, it'll show you, okay, you said you wanted to do this, but you weren't committed. And, and that's, you know, you have to begin to assess those relationships based on who you know someone to be. And it's asking the right questions to position people and create a little bit of a launch pad so that you can continue to facilitate conversations that will allow them to open up their ears, their eyes, and their senses to areas where they can grow. And that's hard sometimes if somebody doesn't want to face their feelings and they don't want to look inward, that's hard, but it's so important. It takes you so much farther in life when you're self-aware and the older we get, I think the less that we are, a lot of people don't want to look inside. You know, I think there's like that window, maybe it's between 20 and 40. I don't know where you're like, I'm really open to this. And then I think a lot of people get close where that's where you get the, the whole, the whole catchphrase closed minded because they don't want to look inward anymore. They're like, I got this, I got this. And um, that's gotta be hard for you in what you're doing is to crack open that person who doesn't necessarily want to look inward. Yeah, I agree. Willingness is the most important attribute. And that's always going to be required if we're going to continue to grow in events. Yeah. Well, we're going to go take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your podcast. And so stay with us, everybody, with David Tyree. We'll be back in a few minutes. Hey, it's Jody Harrison Bauer, and I wanted to invite you to join me and the rest of my team at Jody Fit as we work out to get positively fit for the summer. Yes, you heard me. We are getting positively fit to raise money for the Dan Cosgrove Animal Shelter this Saturday, June 27th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. This will be a 40-minute no-equipment workout for all levels via Zoom. So you can join us from anywhere in the world. Go to the Dan Cosgrove Animal Shelter Facebook page page to sign up and join us on Saturday. See you then. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. B 
Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code podcast to get 25% off. You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fearlessly Authentic. I have my guest today, the great David Tyree. Welcome back to the show, David. We are just having a great conversation. Having a blast. Yes, yes. I am just so, so honored to have you here. You know, before the break, we were talking about emotional um, intelligence. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you said earlier before that was you talked about vulnerability. And, you know, people throw that word around a lot. And I don't think people really, you know, when words get thrown around, it, it loses its meaning and yeah. right. And vulnerability takes a lot of courage. And I don't think that people understand the, the, the relationship there. So I was wondering if you can expand on that because I know you talk about that a lot. Yeah. I, you know, it's something that I'm very acquainted with and because I'm in, in so many ways. And I think my athlete journey has cultivated this. When you're, when you're a high-performing athlete, you subject yourself to harsh coaching, harsh environments to get to your goals. You recognize that the end is in goal. So you're always looking for criticism. You put yourself out there in ways that you might not. And it translates to areas of courage and i.e. vulnerability. So for me, I, I think the, the blood sport of becoming a football athlete served me well as I you know, kind of matured into the space where my, you know, having a healthy relationship, having a healthy marriage, having a healthy relationship with my children and being okay with them seeing me in my, in my imperfections, right? It was just like, I understood that if, in order for them to, to, to position them to, to love me and also to be free, I need to be okay with sharing my ugly. And I kind of got acquainted with it pretty early, meaning like, I have, I've been a little fearless and I've probably been a little aggressive about maybe volunteering too much information. <laughs> but, me, me too, me too. Yeah, you know, and I think different people, personalities, but I saw the value in that, that, that ability to just to say, hey, this is me. You have to accept me and it's okay. Some people, whether, you know, I think the people who are committed to you, they'll respect and, and honor that. And the people who may be a little intimidated by that kind of vulnerability, they'll create the distance necessary. And you have to, you know, it might be a little hurtful, but also it helps you to understand where they're at. And then that's how the compassion grows. That's how the the relationships can be rightly assessed, but it is a powerful, powerful virtue of connection. It is, it's interesting how you mentioned people may be intimidated by your vulnerability. And that is exactly what I've experienced many times is they're like, whoa, 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 too much, too much. And it's not like it's TMI, but it's like, whoa, you're being way too vulnerable. That's a little too powerful for me. So I'm going to step out away and create some distance with this person. 
Um, but it's such a, a great emotion that I wish everybody had the courage to share because we can learn so much. And as you said, that leads to compassion. I mean, all of these different emotions that we're, we're talking about right now are so useful in becoming the best versions of ourselves for the people that we want to serve, the people who we love and, and the people who need us, right? It's true. I think there's, you know, I say, you know, the, the human experience is everyone's enduring this human experience. So everybody's dealing with people. Everybody's having sex. Everybody's, you know, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's certain things that are common to every human. In the, in, so I find it interesting when something becomes taboo, meaning now I understand that there are areas of privacy. There's sacred. There's you have to protect people. You have to protect certain conversations, but I don't think anything is taboo. If it's something that is true to the human experience, I do believe there's an avenue to discuss it, right, without dishonoring someone, but at the same time, creating that space for vulnerability or transparency, cousins, right, where we can grow, evolve, and get, you know, clarity, answers, understanding, and that's what's so powerful about some of those virtues. It unlocks a deeper avenue of intimacy, of truth, and um, and honoring these relationships that we have. Absolutely. So tell me about your podcast. Oh, Catch the Moment Podcast. Catch the Moment. What a great name. Tell me about yeah. that. It's it's honestly, you know, it's really just about having great conversations with people across industry. I can't wait to have you on. Thank um, you. And we're going to just talk about what's the journey. Everyone has had these moments of success, achievement, and, you know, they, they may be celebrated or maybe not as celebrated, which is I want to merge the world that I've been in, not just in sport, but high performance people. And but there's usually a process, a journey or a pain point that is probably more central to the person that that they identify with. Similar to myself, everyone knows me for the right. helmet catch right. and and rightfully so. And, but there's there's been a journey. There's been the pain points. There's a person that is you know, that, that not only that, that kind of lives beyond that moment. That's really what it's about. It's about celebrating the process so that, so that we can normalize the journey, the, and, and, and some of the, you know, the, 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 the less sexy experiences than the mountaintop. And, and that's, it's just great people, great conversations where, where we can celebrate the experience. So yeah, I can't wait to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. I, I wish you all the luck with that. And, you know, I can't wait to be on. Thank you very much. Okay. One of the things that you've said to me um, is most people have what it takes to be successful. Most people have what it takes to be successful. What do you think it does take for somebody to be successful? Well, I think the, the main things that it, that it takes is we have to find our, our, our areas of interest, right? And people say passion and I agree with that too. I think interest precedes passion. You know, it may develop to passion, but it may not. Yeah. You know, and the reason why interest, wherever we're gonna, we're gonna have to find our skill, our niche, the things that we're good at. And you know, I think I'm very, I'm a practical thinker, just as much as I am. I have, I have a lot of romance in in relation to what can be too. But I'm very practical, meaning like when you're going to work, you're working for a check. You know, and sometimes you might not be passionate about the work, but if the check fits your goals and your your lifestyle, then I can kind of I can make some ebbs and flows. Now, if I'm miserable, maybe I need to pivot. Right. I understand. Right. It. 
But America affords you these passions and sometimes it's about practicality. And I always wanna give room for practicality because the human experience, we don't always get to dictate where we wanna go and we don't wanna make bad decisions for pursuing passion. I think that's a great point. I'm sorry. I just have to interrupt you because everybody thinks you have to have a job that you're the most passionate about. But as you said, you got to pay the bills. You got responsibilities. Right. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I'm so glad because, you know, like it's always thrown out there, you know, of course, on social media, everywhere. You got to find your passion. No, you got to find practicality. What are your goals? What are the demands of your life and your family? And find that niche where you can make it happen and develop your passions, right? We know what, you know, but when you find interest, you can develop skills and you can drill it down what through discipline, hard work, and ultimately that relational ecosystem. You're going to need people that are going to help you cultivate you and, def- and refine you as you're growing in those areas. But because success is subjective, that's what I love about success. Mm. Only you can define it. Only you can define it and it's scalable. And that's the beauty of what success is. The janitor who manages his finances well and is making ends meet for his family is on a large scale success, right? He's in the green. He can invest a little bit and reach his long-term goals because he has stability. That guy needs to be celebrated just as much as the professional athlete. What do you think stops somebody from being successful, whether you're talking about an athlete or a business person, an entrepreneur, because I know you work with athletes and professionals. So is it the same or does it differ for what what stops them from reaching whatever it is that what they think of success is? Yeah, I think some of the immediate thoughts that come to my head, because there's no cookie cutter. Of course, I've seen more times than not, the individual is a part of the, you know, we are the biggest hindrance to our growth and success oftentimes. And I think that's why the, the, the human development is the, the primary, if, like, I, I'll be honest with you, what I lacked as an athlete was vision. I, 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 as a young man, I didn't have a lot of vision. I was the guy, I was all about the present and, and a lot of me, and I'm still wired for that. I want to be present with the people. I want to be present in the moment, but where you lack vision, you, you, you lack foresight to be able to cultivate the life that you desire, the, the career that you desire, right? That's a great this, point, yep. The doctor is celebrated because, you know what? He has to pay eight years just to position himself to get to the career. He has vision for where he might want to be. So that will create a life of genuine you know, happiness and financial prosperity. So there's a lot of vision that might come along with that. So you have to consider where you want to be and what it might take to get there. And I think when you when you find success early, it can stifle some of those things. Mm. And so vision is one of those things. I think pride, arrogance, some of the personal, you know, personal ego stoppers. Ego is usually a, the a, ego, a massive, right? Massive indicator that stunts growth. And it's things like that that we have to manage that really hinder our growth and success on a long term. Being present is so important. And I think there are so many people that continue to think about the future, the future, the future, the future. You have to draw them back and say, wait a minute, what about right now? Mm -hmm. So there is that balance. And I know so many of us struggle with it. You know, I want to be there 
I want to accomplish that goal because I'm always looking, you know, I'm a Capricorn. I'm always climbing the mountain. I'm always, okay, what's next? What's go cab. What? (laughs) And keep going up, 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 up. And, but sometimes I have to stop and go, Jody, look around, like give gratitude for, you know, where you are right now. Be grateful for being healthy and children and life. Jody, you said it, you know, to me, the, one of the pillars is, is gratitude. You know, gratitude is what grounds us, right? So, you know, and we have to just be able to recognize I'm, I'm big on the bare essentials. Like I have a lot of goals. I have a lot of things where I feel like I'm behind schedule and, you know, but I, I realize that I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm on schedule. I'm 42 years old. I have great accomplishments in my past. There were missed opportunities. There were wins and there were, there were some, there were some losses, but I'm right on schedule in relation to being a man that has some clarity about who he is, that, ha- that has confidence to, to be able to accomplish things, that has an ecosystem of people who want to support, a couple haters, right? We all got them. So we're right on schedule. We're right on time. And because when you have that sense of confidence and awareness and gratitude, hey, the kids are eating. They haven't, they haven't lacked for a meal and I, there, you know, yeah, I would love to have a bet, you know, more opportunities and more, get them in this school and get them in that. But that's, those are luxuries. Those right. are luxuries. And we don't want to comparison is the greatest killer that, that, you know, you know, when I start looking into someone else's life, that's what begins to kill the ambition. That's when you lose. That's when you lose. As soon as you compare, you lose. You there always lose in the comparison game. How do you balance everything that you want to accomplish with your seven children and your beautiful wife? How do you do this? How are you always present for them? And I, I'm sure at some point, sometimes you're not, but like, how do you balance that being present and having that vision with in your personal life? This is a great question. So this is a, probably a great pain point for my wife and myself. When you have seven children, you, you never feel like you're able to give them all the attention that you want. You want. And guess what, Jody? We can't. We, we can't. We're still working for them. We're still, we're still working for our children. Yes. You know, so my oldest son is 20. My youngest is eight. You know, I want to be, be in better position to help my 20-year-old reach some of those goals as a young man where, you know, life is difficult in those, in that stage where you don't know enough, you know, confidence is, is up and down. Yes. Guess what? I'm still working for him. So it's, 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 I had to come to terms with my limitations. So that's the first thing. I have to be comfortable with my limitations and the fact that what I'm providing for in my, whether it's in my family and the people I serve as a, as a leader, as a mentor, that they're going to get the best of me when I'm available. They're going to get the best of me when I'm available. And that's my commitment to manage my priorities and give people my best attention, my best affection, my best sense of presence and and duty and my love and service for them when I'm available. Because in order for me to sustain where they're at, I have to continue to chase those goals so that I can be in a position to to love them, to lead them, and to nurture them. I think so many parents like understand what you're saying right now, because when you are with your children, you need to be present. You need to give them 100%. You know, it, it just, that's, that's, we brought these, these human beings into our life for that that's, reason. I, I did you it. I, I created all of them, Jody. I put yep, them all yep. And I love how you say you're still working for them. I love that. So as far as physical fitness, you're very fit, obviously. Um, 
I mean, a lot of pro 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 players yeah. aren't always fit after they retire, but you are, I've met you in person. You're very fit. And so where does the fitness, do you meditate? Tell me a little bit about your um, fitness yeah. program. You know, it's an interesting relationship for me. I think I was definitely socially competitive, meaning like the locker room provided a great environment of let's go, let's go, let's go, matching the energy. So I wasn't, I'm not a natural gym rat, but you know, you step away from it because you put so much toll on your body. Right. Then you actually recognize how beneficial that was on all scales, physically, even mentally, Mm -hmm. right? We start talking about the benefits and of, of, of the mental health side of oh, our yeah. physical fitness side. So I began to recognize that, you know, as I put distance away from some of that, we all want to sit back, rest, and kind of let our bodies heal. But then your body tells you how badly you need it. So I was, some of it was just rightly responding. And listen, I, me and my wife, we, 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 we love each other immensely and we challenge each other. We married each other a certain way. You know, we were attracted to each other because of the way that we look. Right. So we we don't we don't act like marriage isn't what it is. When you first introduce yourself, it's because that's what you bought. And I think it's not it's not, you know, like I'm going to be committed to her. If she blew up the 300, we're going to be making love and we're going to get we're going to get down and around that 300. That's right. That's not the goal. And I'm going to manage my 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 body for her because I recognize that, too. So I have all kinds of goals from a physical side because you know, just, I gain, I gain from it, but so does she. And that's, that's a beauty of, it. and I think from the other side of the mental, mental wellness side, I think my prayer life has a meditative side, uh, my spiritual life, just growing and in, in, in some of those places where I know I need it. I can't, I can't be who I need to be for the people that I love and serve. So I have, a, my goal is to have a selfless approach, even in my self-care, you know, to have a selfless approach even in my self-care, because the best me benefits everyone else. You seem like a very, you've mentioned the word discipline many, many times, and discipline is very important in everything that you do. Um, Me being in the fitness industry for as long as I've been and competing in fitness shows and just doing this show, doing the other things that I do, it takes discipline. And do you think that, do you think you can, you can be successful without discipline in any part of your life? Not on the long term. Not mm-hmm. on the long term. The more your responsibility or your success grows, the more your discipline gets exposed. You know, I, I kind of, um, you know, when I consider someone's character, there, to me, there's like four key components of character, your value system, your emotional stability, your discipline, which is, you know, your capacity for self-control and your identity, right? So that's kind of who makes us, up who we are, throw them all together and that's you. But honestly, discipline is my biggest weakness. You know, so now I'm I'm aware of that. And of of those four areas, discipline is my biggest weakness. Environments created a lot of discipline, the locker room, right? So, but as an entrepreneur, I have to create it myself. So it stretches my, my capacity or my need to exercise these disciplines. So the ebbs and flows of the last few years of coming out of some of these sports environments that are well-structured, it, it was a little bit of an, ex, of an exposure, even though I'm a, I am a discipline. I have to be, you know, me and my wife, we have to coordinate a lot of moving pieces in our life. So there's a lot of planning, but it is, I'm still aware that it's the area that demands the most in relation to, you know, growth. 
So, um, you know, just self-control in general. And I think if the more we grow and expand, the greater the need to, to tighten up in our areas of discipline because motivation only lasts so long. That's interesting that you say it like that. It's kind of backwards. I, I think it's a little bit backwards, but I see how it it comes full circle because without that discipline, we can't create. And even the discipline, but you know, taking care of your your body and your mind, because what people don't understand by taking care of your body, you are mentally taking care of yourself as well. And every time we make that commitment to ourselves to, to do something that we promised ourselves to do, we, we gain confidence also. So it's the discipline, it's the promise to ourselves, and then it's the confidence. Yes. And I was wondering if you've experienced that feeling where you have, where you promised yourself you were going to do something and then you didn't do it. Then you feel bad about yourself. Then you try to play catch up, but don't you feel that whenever you make that promise to whether your family or it's in a professional situation, you grow confidence. You do. Yeah, 100%. You couldn't have communicated it better. You know, the one thing, I, you know, I think, like I said, being a young man and a high performing athlete, you learn how to get over things. You know, I think what, what triggers me, you know, I, I don't have a big guilt complex. And I think that's where when we talk about folks who are struggling, even in the areas of vulnerability, it's the guilt and the shame that come in and destroy and wrecks everybody's life. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, I, we can't negate it because we're humans and what, what matters to us is what matters and what's important. But I think for, for me, even in the area of a letdown, I have to be honest with myself, but also have to move forward just as quickly. And so, you know, what I, what I, what I never invite is the shame. You know, I, I stepped on the scale. I was in Vermont for, for a week, you know, eating good and having stepped on the scale and I was 225, never been 225 before in my life. What it tells me is it's time to tighten up, right? Right, and, right. And I have to make a, not a short-term commitment. I got to make a long-term commitment yes. to bring it in the reins. And everything is an assessment. It, it just, I don't indict myself. I know what I did. And I was liberal in whether it was liberal in my eating, you know, liberal in my lack of discipline and exercise for a duration. And hey, that, that's my indicator. You got to pull it back. You got to pull it back. And that's why, you know, I know a lot of people are against getting on the scale and, you know, this is what I do for a living. And, but you've got to have that point where, you know, when it's time to pull it back and that's where the discipline comes in. And so tell me about this clean juice bar. Yeah. It's, it, you know, when I, when I decided I, I love brick and mortar business, you know, it's, it's a fading reality when I look at where at all the areas that tech is filling but I, I just love having a place to, to, to go to. For us, you know, like we, we, wanted to, we wanted to do something. And when we found Clean Juice, it was something that aligned in values, but also in lifestyle. So I, I love pizza, but I couldn't feel good as a, as a leader and as a servant opening up a pizza shop. I love pizza too. I couldn't open up a pizza place. Right. I get it. Pizza. You see, I, I yes. leave my conscience. And, yes, yes. And so it's more indicative of, we want to make 80% of those, you know, that of, of the right decisions in our diet. And so we have some room for liberality and things that we enjoy, but we want to minimize those things that we know to be toxic to our bodies. And that's what clean juice. It was the business concept that rightly aligned. It was hundred percent USDA certified organic. And I could deliver that product with great confidence, knowing that it was delicious and it was going to serve those people. It wasn't going to taint and defile their body. You still got to manage calories, but just like everyone does, but it was something that was well for 
the, the person was going to visit our shop. So we were excited about it. Launched right in the middle of pandemic. And um, we, we, we survived. We're, 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 we're standing Congratulations. and plowing forward. We're excited about it. Where is it located for anybody who wants to come and visit? Come check us out. We're right in, in Morristown, a super budding um, suburb in, in New Jersey, historic community right on South Street, downtown, uh, Clean Juice Morristown. You, you'll love it. You got smoothies, wraps, bowls, uh, you know, sandwiches now, fresh juice, cleanses, cold press. It's fantastic. You're so busy. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I love it. We are almost done with the show. And I have to ask you this last question. Um, I have just, this has just been a joy to have you on the show. And again, so honored that you had the time for, to be on Fearlessly Authentic. So what does it mean to you to live a fearlessly authentic life? You know, authenticity is about free, being free in who you are, you know, and, and also, having the consideration, right, for not just for others, but, you know, not being bogged down by opinions and allowing who you are to be to lead the way. You know, so what I think about being authentic is, you know, the decisions that I've made were intentional. You know, I think we, we do arrive to certain places because we're evolving and we're growing. But being fearlessly authentic is this is who I am love me, right? Love me according to who I am. And I think what's okay, what, what people have to be okay with is that everyone's not going to love, me. you know? And I think that's the problem. And I don't try to force people to love me. I'm like, listen, I'm on, I'm on fire for God. I love people. I love business. I love impacting people. You know, I'm unashamed about who I am, but, you know, I would never let my beliefs in who I am overpower others. I want to consider others at the same time. So I think that's that's what being fearlessly authentic. I want to have the, the 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 uncomfortable and crucial conversation, even with somebody who might be either offended or intimidated by him. And I think that's what stimulates growth, what propels love, and allows us to continue to own who we are. It's a beautiful answer. Thank you, David Tyree. Thank you so so much for being on the show today. I had thank so much fun. You. It was really such a pleasure. And everybody, thank you for joining us today for Fearlessly Authentic and go have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next week, go be fearlessly authentic. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.